Hi there, Championship fans. I'm Chris Sampson. He's Cammy Anderson, and this is the Pure Championship podcast from Pure Football. We're the podcast that purely focuses on bringing you the best of the Scottish Championship. Cammy, how are you today? You good? Yeah, all good. All, all good. Also, there was some really good action and some not so good action, but yeah, plenty for us to talk about today. How are you? I'm good. Yeah, I'm not too bad. I think yeah, there the definitely wasn't uh, as much good action to talk about this week, last this past weekend on match day four. But are you ready to talk about it anyway? Yeah, let's go for that. Yeah, let's do it. Um, we're going to start with the Friday night BBC Scotland game and the highest scoring game of the weekend in the league. That's Alloa three Dundee three. I say BBC Scotland game, obviously all of our listeners, I'm sure, paid for the Alloa TV stream to hear you co-commentating. Cammy, first of all, how was it being at a football match? Tell us all about it. I mean, it was it was a very bizarre experience. Um, as me and Kieran, obviously Pure Championship pal Kieran, had uh, said kind of during the commentary, as weird as it was, there was something quite nice about it, just knowing kind of how few people were there and just the kind of privilege that you had. And I know that maybe sounds quite cheesy, but... It, it really is quite a privileged place to be in at the moment, to be at live football. And, I mean, what a difference it makes, having watched streams for God knows how long now and been angry with how poorly they've been just to see football in the flesh and to be treated to such a game was was absolutely fantastic. I mean, the commentary, I, I'm really chuffed with how things went for both me and Kieran. We, we received a lot of good good uh, praise for, for the work we've done on Friday and, yeah, it was a really enjoyable experience and hopefully won't be long until fans do get back because as much as I said, it was maybe quite nice that there weren't any fans in the sense that you were one of few there, you kind of had that really close connection to the game. I mean, it, it really didn't feel right without the fans there, even if at points of the game there were some Aloha fans at, at one of the gates singing Aloha songs, but it, it just wasn't quite the same. Yeah, I think that, I mean, it always comes across on the streams, doesn't it? But but like you say, amazing for you to be to be there and and to be co-commentating as well. I, that was your co, surely that was your commentating debut, wasn't it? Yeah, it was commentating debut. Uh, I mean, I, th- I think people were calling me and Keen the next Jack and Victor after our performance. <laughs> Not many better partnerships around than that. So, so uh, yeah, really fun experience and yeah, looking forward to, to the next time. Two microphones pick. <laughs> Um, yeah, let's talk about the actual action then. I thought this was a bit more of the Aloha that we, we knew from last season coming out. Yeah, it was. And I mean, I said this during the commentary that the loyalty to their nice play style was, was really admirable. Uh, at the start of the game, Dundee were playing at some really, really high tempo. And I mean, you knew it wasn't going to be sustainable, but despite them being pressed really hard, the likes of Jonathan Afalabi, who is deceptively quick and i seen that special on Friday. Um, he was pushing really hard, and despite Aloha finding themselves under a lot of pressure, being really, really pinned back at stages, it wasn't just hoofing it up to give the ball right back to Dundee. When, when they got the ball back, they were playing it out nicely, and they, they got a few good chances out of that. And, um, yeah, it was, it was, as you say, kind of the Aloha that we know and love. And, I mean, I know they conceded three goals, but they were still pretty solid defensively. And one of the big reasons for that was the return of Captain Fantastic Andy Graham. Now, Graham, obviously last season, he made it into my team of the season, despite only playing half of the season. And I think that just goes to show just how good a player he is. And I mean, what a performance for him on his return. I know three goals conceded again, but I mean, he was rock solid. He, he kept Afalabi quiet. And then when Afalabi went off and Osman So came on, he kept him quiet, blocked a lot of shots and, it was solid in there, and yeah, really good, obviously, due to my co-commentating, I was able to actually speak with Alwa manager Peter Grant after the match, and 
he was certainly very impressed with what Graham showed on his return to the team. Peter R returned for Andy Graham tonight. What did you make his performance? I thought it was excellent. As I say, I think he had to be in the, the circumstances because I thought they gave too many set plays away. We spoke about it prior. The one thing that Charlie's got is a great quality with his delivery. So you don't put yourself under pressure, you know. And I thought probably the first five minutes of the game, I think we gave about six free kicks. I'm not saying they were all free kicks, but we gave about six free kicks away in the same at the start of the second half, you know. So um, that was disappointing for us. So, but I thought Andy, as I say, for the period of time, it was excellent. What was the view on the penalty at the end of the done? Do you think that? What's your view? Because I'm exact same. I think it's harsh. I don't know the rules because I see so many penalties given and not given down. I feel for the referees. I must admit, and I know I'm on them every week. I feel for them at times because some things you see penalty kicks one week and that, that's I think us as coaches and managers all feel the frustration is because one week it's a free kick the next week it's no free kick one week it's a penalty no it's no penalty and that that's why you find ourselves shouting for things we don't get and then other things you get and you're thinking well I don't know why that was a free kick or, and I think that's why all the managers but I feel unfair for the referees as well because I don't think at times and no disrespect and I don't mean this in a cheeky way I don't think they know the rules because I see it every week, it's completely different. So, something they give a free kick for one week, or next week you don't get it. And as I say, I think I've had a couple of yellow cards this year, and I think part of the reason has been that, because I'm shouting for things that the week prior or the game, or 10 minutes prior, was a free kick. You know, so, but I feel harsh done by on the penalty kick, but as I say, I thought they caused their own problems tonight because we, we should have seen the game out when we go 3 1 up with Foundation and the back in it. Yeah, great stuff there. You being able to ask um, Peter Grant about that, Cammy, and we'll, we'll touch on uh, some of the, the other stuff you mentioned there. But I want to pick up on one thing, and obviously that is related to to Andy Graham returning, and that was Peter Grant wanted Alawa to to not give away too many set pieces, um, and I don't think they really listened to him, but they seemed to defend them quite well with Andy Graham coming back. Yeah, they did. As you say, they probably conceded more set pieces than they wanted to. Of course, one of the goals did come from that, a Charlie Adam free kick. And I mean, in fact, I'm saying there, there could have actually been another goal. Charlie Adam scored directly from a corner, although it was rightly chopped off. And I mean, I think Grant was, was quite, quite right to be annoyed uh, at the amount of set pieces to be given up, especially with a set piece specialist such as Adam in that Dundee side. And I mean, a lot of their balls in were dangerous. But as you say, Alwa managed to defend them really well and, yeah, impressive stuff from them. Definitely. I, I, the other thing I wanted to, to touch on with Aloha uh, was I thought Bob Thompson gave Dundee's kind of makeshift defence quite a tough day. He was he, he obviously uh, got the first goal, but I, I think he, he kind of battled uh, and challenged every single ball that went up there when Aloha did go long. Yeah, Thompson was, was superb, actually. Obviously, a player that we both know well from his spells at Dunfermline and Morton, and I don't think either of us would exactly say we were that impressed with him in his respective spells. But for whatever reason, this season's really really clicking for him at Aloha. Um Four goals in six games, I believe, now across all competitions. And, I mean, as you say, was a real presence up there. Obviously, a tall boy and was up against Cammy Kerr for most of the night, who was been played as a centre-back opposed to being out at full-back and yeah I mean I think he was pretty solid there and I think given that Alwa lost Kevin O'Hara they needed someone to replace the goals and Robert Thompson certainly stepped up and another man who I've got to give a shout out to is Super Alan Troughton um, 
two goals for him on the night, two in sync to finish his right place at right time for the pair of them. And I think that's fantastic that Aloe have managed to get two strikers who are able to continually score. Maybe not the strikers that you've maybe instantly pick for your team if you are doing a fantasy draft in the championship, but two players who are certainly working well in this Aloe side. Uh, Alan Troughton doing Alan Troughton things. I think there is, is definitely a way to describe that. He's, he seems to just defy defy something anyway every season. I was going to say defy the odds, but he's nothing really against him um, apart from his uh, obviously getting getting on a bit. But uh, yeah, he's, he just he continues to do it season after season for them. Yeah, he does. So what about Dundee then? I mean, personally, I felt this was quite a poor result for them. I mean, I know they came from 3-1 down, but I mean, even still, it's not exactly the kind of result that they were needing to start the season with. No, I thought um, it, it really jumped out at me that I'm really struggling to put my finger on why they look so flat this season. Like I, I, We touched on it a little bit last week, and even against Morton on match day two, obviously, when I watched them, I, I just didn't think they had that much about them. Um, but I think if anybody is going to drag Dundee to where they're expecting to be this season, it is Charlie Adam, isn't it? Like we, Peter Grant obviously identified him in those, those set pieces, but it is, he is more than just set pieces. I thought he was was everywhere in this match when you watched it back, and I, I think he kind of he drives forward. He's playing the long passes. He's playing short passes. He's I just think he's he, he just seems to be the one that is attempting to make the difference for them. And I don't know how they're going to get everybody to be up at his level because it, it's looking really difficult so far. Adam was the kind of marquee signing for this Dundee side and I'm not really surprised to see how kind of important he's been for this team. I mean, he is the man that's pulling all the strings in James McPate's side and I mean, I must say, I do have some concerns for Dundee and how long this can kind of last. Of course, Adam is a player with Premiership, sorry, Premier League experience and certainly on his day is a class above every single player in this league and there's no doubt in that. But, I mean, I think the sooner teams realise that everything goes through Adam, I mean, he takes every set piece, every time they're looking to attack, the ball's going to him. I mean, I think the sooner they suss that out and kind of really limit him, I mean, I think Dundee, as you said, they've already been flat, but I mean, I think things will only get worse if they can, if opposition teams can somehow mark Adam out, out of the games because he is an absolutely massive player for them. I think it's three goals in the first four championship games for him, two fantastic goals, one against Hearts, one against Rafe Rovers, and then grabbed himself a penalty against Aloe on Friday night, which was a really well-taken penalty. So, yeah, as I say, I think... It will certainly be interesting to see how he does, especially with the recent news of Graham Doran's departure. Yeah, that was a big surprise, wasn't it? I don't think we we saw that one coming whatsoever, but uh, the way that James McPake came out and said that he's been turning down offers seems to be left, right and centre. I guess he's he's going to take one of them eventually. Yeah, I mean, when, when you read kind of that and the fact that he seemingly had this release clause in his contract that enabled him to kind of explore moves abroad... I can't say it's too surprising, but the fact that it's going to come so soon after the season started maybe is a bit of a surprise. Obviously, I don't think Dundee were expecting to lose Dorans. I think maybe after the transfer window closed, they thought, right, we've at least got him till January, but that's not the case. He's away down under to Western Sydney, sorry, Western Sydney Wanderers, if I can get the words out of my mouth. And I think as much as people will maybe see this as a big negative, from a pure championship perspective, I'm going to see this as a massive positive for our pure championship favourite, Finlay Robertson. Robertson came off the bench on Friday night and I think it could be a real opportunity for him to play alongside 
HR Adam in the middle of the park. Obviously, there's Paul McGowan there and Sean Burns, so there's no shortage of options. But certainly, Doran's not been there. Certainly increases the chances of Robertson playing more. Yeah, I agree. And then obviously, um, we we kind of identified Max Anderson, although we haven't really seen too much of him so far this season. So, aye, they do have options, obviously, but I do still think they are a little bit short. Um, I think with Dorns leaving there, that's a massive kind of experienced hole in their midfield. And I, I think McPake will be upset at losing Dorns because obviously he played such a big part in their season last season and he was probably aiming for him to be playing a big part in this season too. Furthermore, if you look at the, the back as well, I think especially uh, on this match, you, you had Lee Ashcroft out as well. Um, I believe that was about coronavirus. Is that right, Cammy? Uh, well, going by what McPeak said after the game, um, it was my understanding that Dorans was one of them, and then obviously the news of the second one came out. Dorans and Ashcroft were the two missing, and I mean, stick two and two together, it would imply that that is, is certainly the case. Yeah, and obviously with Ashcroft being out, I think Jordan Forster's already out, so they only had Jordan McGee in at centre-half. Cammy Kerr had to go in there and partner him on, on Friday night, so... I think Dundee need to be looking. I mean, is, is the loan window still open? I've lost track of, of when players can still sign folk. Obviously, they can still sign free transfers, but can they get loan ins? I think the loan window shut at the end of last month, so that's now obviously off the table, and I'm not too sure of options available on the on the kind of free agent market now. And I think you've got to obviously question why are players still out there not with a club at the moment. Is is that yeah is that kind of a very good sign for kind of Dundee's prospects uh, when it comes to maybe hunting for some more depth in between now and January. But that said, we're only what five, six weeks away from the window opening. I mean it's it's gonna be a risky game to play, but Dundee might be able to just kind of see themselves through to January and then they can really get stuff going. They can maybe just start the start the kind of groundwork for maybe a January signing, whether that be on loan or or permanent or whatever, they can maybe just start getting that done. So it is kind of immediately as the window opens in and then it's kind of sorted. None of this dragged out stuff. True. Yeah, definitely. I think they, they do need it. Um, you also spoke to goal scorer Declan Madade after the match as well, didn't you? Yeah, I did. I spoke to Declan about a few different things. Obviously, the fog on Friday night made my duties as a commentator very difficult. There were times at the game where you just simply could not see the opposite side of the field. And I mean, McDade, he didn't seem to think that really changed things all that much. He was, I think he was quite impressed with the floodlights uh, at, at the Rex. But I, and then I also asked him about whether the kind of poor start that Dundee have made has altered the, the kind of goals that, that Dundee have and, and also was kind of forced to push him, if you like, into finding out what those goals exactly are just for exact confirmation because I mean I think we kind of knew anyway it was promotion back to the top flight but McDade as you pointed out to me and something I actually didn't notice when I was speaking to him he seems to be targeting promotion to a league that no longer exists so best of luck to him on that but yeah so here's what McDade had to say to me on Friday night No we need to, we need to be better defending and we need to start being and play well for 90 minutes not just 45 it was 45 last week we done well in the second half we're poor we weren't great first half tonight, but second half we're better. So we need to put it together for night and defend better as well as a team. You've not started the season as many perhaps expected you to. Has that changed your goals at all this season or is the goal still the same? No, the goals are still the same. We've got, we've got three, four games in. Um, nah, that's not changed then. We still know what our aims are. What are those aims? To get promoted back to the SPL. 
yeah, I'm kind of loving how a bit uh, salty he is with you there, Cammy. Uh, I'm not going to lie, but um, yeah, I think obviously we it kind of does confirm what what we knew, and it confirms that the, the pressure might be on Nick Paik uh, if they don't start picking up some better results. Shall we move on? Uh, unfortunately, to the next match, Cammy. That that was very nice of you to actually want to move on and not just completely skip over it. So yeah, let's go for it. Uh, I'll save you the the hassle of naming the score. Uh, it was Rafe Rovers five. Greenock Morton, no. Yeah, I think um, it's probably best if we start with Race Rovers in this match, to be quite honest with you. Um, We've talked about them already on uh, probably most weeks so far um, because they've started the season so well, but I thought their midfield absolutely dominated um, this one. They they dominated the ball. They're constantly moving, making themselves available for passes. Uh, They rotate really well as well. Obviously, at at some points, Reagan Hendry's at the, the kind of pivot just in front of the defence picking up the ball sometimes Dylan Tate's back there Ross Matthews is running about everywhere um, it just looked so easy for them on Saturday the goals were so easy that they scored um, they hardly had to get out of kind of second gear for me they hardly had to work for them um, I thought they were composed they were calm and they were totally comfortable um, and I think that is uh, obviously it's a it's a really big plus point for for race rovers but it's a it's a massive negative for for Greenock Morton 100% I think last week we questioned whether Rafe could have a party without Manny Duku and this result certainly proved that obviously since we bigged him up in what the first or second pod of the season he's not played since but this it was match day, match day two uh, against Queen of the South. He's not. He's he's been out since. But he was he was he was back on the bench for this one. So I mean, I think this is proof that they they can in fact do really well without him. Um, Ross Matthews, you mentioned him there. I think he's maybe not a player we've given as much credit to as perhaps the likes of Tate or Dan Armstrong or of course Duku or, or maybe even Hendry. Matthews grabbed himself a brace and yeah, I, I mean, I think he's maybe one of those under the radar players that maybe won't get as much kind of, I'm not quite sure what you'd say, maybe not noticed as much. And then another player that I think we've not spoken too much about either is Ethan Ross, who's on loan from Aberdeen. Uh, two assists for him in that one. And I mean, that, it just goes to show the kind of attacking options that, that Rovers have. Obviously, as you say, Matthews was kind of rotating in that kind of midfield. And I think that's really good that they've got that kind of option to move all those players around. But just in general, as you say, Rafe really didn't have to come out of second gear at all. They weren't made to work for it. And I mean, I think Morton are going to be absolutely livid with the way they just kind of lay down. It wasn't even kind of, oh, they, they tried really hard and it was just unlucky. Rafe were really clinical or anything. They were just absolutely terrible. There was no, there's no way of sugarcoating the way Morton performed in this match. And Jim McAllister's sending off really didn't help. I make that three sendings off in the first four games for Morton and I mean, you can't carry on like that if you're wanting to kind of win games. No, and talking of Jim McAllister, I actually spoke to him on Monday night following this match. Obviously, quite a, a tricky time to, to speak to him following a 5-0 defeat and ascending off for him, but he was upfront and honest about it. Uh, and he, he obviously agreed with us that the focus should be on race overs for this one. Saturday was obviously uh, quite, a, it's quite a difficult subject to talk on from a fan perspective. Um from a player perspective, and then obviously from your perspective as well, personally, a really tough game and sending off. How difficult is it to cope with that from, from your point of view? Yeah, listen, Saturday was frustrating, but before I say anything on the game, you know, you have to give Wraith Rovers a lot of credit. Oh, definitely, yeah. I, I thought uh, I thought Wraith Rovers were, were excellent and they thoroughly deserved, deserved a victory. 
Uh, personally, obviously, uh, getting set off in the first half. Listen, I, I've played nearly 600 games in, in my career, and previous to Saturday, I've been sent off once. So it's not, not my nature to go out and, and hurt someone in an attack or whatever. And uh, I think it's something that the club are going to appeal. Uh, because I don't feel it was it was merited. I felt it was a yellow card uh, at worst. So we'll we'll see what the the appeals panel come back with in, in Wednesday morning. Uh, I feel I've got good enough and strong enough grounds that, that I can win the appeal. So uh, I think the club uh, they sent that off this morning. So we'll, we'll see what comes back of that on Wednesday morning. But yeah, all round it was maybe a wee a wee wake up call for us as well because we had beaten Alo, beaten Air. We all felt we deserved something from from Dundee as well, so we were feeling, you know, confident. We had had a decent rough start, and then obviously the bumps that I was talking about that you're going to experience along the road, and, and one of them came in Saturday. So, but listen, uh, full credit to the Rovers; they, they they were well better than us on the day. Yeah, and, and they've had a good start to the season as well, and I think that just shows again it kind of backs up how difficult the league is. Yeah, no, listen, I'm fresh to the league. As well, you know, it's that they've kept a nucleus of their, their squad for last year, which was obviously uh, successful and maybe a wee bit similar to us. A lot of young kids littered right through their team, you know, uh, potentially playing without any fear and riding on that crest of the wave, getting promoted and, and different things. So, no, uh, all credit to Race Rovers given, given the start that they've made. Yeah, so Jim McAllister obviously agreeing with us there that the Race Rovers have had a fantastic start to the season uh, and also kind of pointing out that Morton have been very up and down so far but I'm kind of obviously they have been up and down but it's been more in results rather than performances because performances have still been pretty flat in all honesty Um, apart from that obviously seven minute comeback that we spoke about on last week's podcast against Ayr and maybe quite a good chunk of that second half against Dundee think you're looking back now obviously after this one you you reflect a bit more and you you come away on on match day one and you think we were quite lucky to beat Aloha and I think Peter Grant uh, uh, judging by uh, what you were talking to him about earlier he actually also mentioned that uh, we were we were lucky in that one yes so he's still thinking about that too but yeah Morton I I think let's let's touch on them now I, I think it was a really strange setup that we had and uh, it was very similar to the air match too where we kind of don't have don't have a right back almost I think Marcus Fjortov's been asked to play there at the moment but um he, he you rightly mentioned he was he was given a tough time all afternoon by Ethan Ross um I think we looked okay and previously when we played that back three but a back four with kind of three central defenders and, and Brian McLean being one of the central defenders starting in the middle of uh, in, in that two in the pairing. I don't think it's it's been quite good enough. And I, I think, yeah, we, we need to probably go back to that five at the back, three central defenders, um, just to give it a bit more solidity in there. Do you not fear, though, that maybe by swapping back to that five at the back that... Um... He's kind of lose that attack, and obviously, I mean, I think there was only maybe what one or two shots uh, in this game, and I mean, yeah, I, I think a five at the back can kind of be quite defensive, especially given the way Morton have kind of played. Yeah, I think it's it's a tricky one because I do agree with you, and I think it obviously all depends on where you set up and the personnel that are in there. But I think if you've got 
maybe if you bring in Cammy Salkeld, I said he's not that technical a footballer, but he'll run and run. And I think at right back or a right wing back in that five at the back, he could be quite good. Obviously, bombing up and down that, that right hand side. I think Lewis Strap's obviously back now. I think if he's left wing back rather than Robbie Muirhead, then that's a, a decent setup. And then you can bring in Kyle Jacobs and, and Jim McAllister himself to, to kind of be that too. And then you've got three positions where you can bring in Josh McPake, Aidan Nesbitt, and p- probably Gary Oliver now, um, just to give it a, be a bit more lively and a bit more ability up top rather than Calvin Orsi. So there is options there. There's there's potential, and it's just finding that right setup and also setting up to attempt to actually win the match because I'm not sure if we set up to win this match. Like I, I don't know. I'm, obviously, Jim McAllister got sent off in the first half and that kind of changed things. But by that point, we're already 2-0 down and barely having a kick in the match. And I think that I don't think that long balls up to Calvin, Or- Calvin Orsi or, or and or Gary Oliver for Josh McPake to then pick up knockdowns was, was ever going to happen in this match. I think Wraith were far too comfortable. Their midfield is far too clever and skillful for that to happen. And yeah, I'm just I'm baffled about how we're setting up to win matches at the moment because it looks like that long ball football is, is back and, and here to stay. Yeah, it's not the kind of style of play that you're wanting either. But I mean, I think if you're wanting to look for any positive from this match for a Morton perspective, is the fact that results went your way. Of course, a 5 0 defeat's never, never what you're wanting. But the fact that he's still remaining in the playoff spots despite that, I mean, I think that that is possibly the only positive that you actually can take from this match. And then the fact that you don't have a league match this weekend, I mean, I, th- I think that's obviously that will be a nice kind of break for the team from the kind of league matches. Obviously, there's been a lot of kind of pressure, I guess you could say, given, as you say, the kind of flat performances and maybe the results not being what Morton fans would have hoped for. But I think we've got to wait and see with this Morton team. As you've said, there's a lot to kind of be excited about, the likes of McPeak and Orsay and Nesbitt are all, all, are all exciting players. And then we've previously praised the likes of Fjortoft at the back. And yeah, it'll be an interesting one to kind of see how how Morton do kind of over the rest of the season but certainly at the moment I think there's a, a little bit left to be desired with their performances Yeah, definitely I mean, you mentioned we've no league game but we're recording this on Tuesday we'll be releasing it on Wednesday and tonight, as as it's released we'll be playing St Mirren in a Renfrewshire derby so I think it'll be very interesting to see how we react in that match uh, coming off the back of this one because yeah, this one was was not good enough at all yeah, so our both at home unfortunately means no highlights these days, it seems, uh, as both uh, our both and Queen of the South picked up their first points of the season in this 1-1 draw. Um, fear not, though, because we've roped in pure championship pal Finlay Jack to talk to us all about the match. Finlay, how are you? Not bad, mate, yourself? Yeah, good, good. Um, let's just dive right into the match then. Um, did you think this was an even contest or was it a case of points dropped for one of the sides? Um, it was a tale of two halves, if there ever was one. Queen's the first half, could have been two up, could have been three up. Uh, second half or both. A bit like the team like last season, the physical game made it hard for Queen's to play any football. I think a, a draw was the fair result in the end. Um, I think if you're a Queen's fan, you'd probably say that Queen's would have edged it. If you're in a Broth fan, you'll say that our Broth would have edged it. But I don't <laughs> really think either fan can grumble at a one-piece draw. Uh, talking, touching on Queens first. Then um, I'm I'm looking at Queens's options off the bench at the moment, and I'm not particularly inspired. There doesn't really seem to be anybody to come on and make a real difference. Is that something that you're finding at the matches? 
Um, it was limited on Saturday. Uh, we generally have Reese McCabe, who's not been in the bank, he's injured right now. Um, Calvin McGrory, has, he came on and done well against Wraith, albeit in a losing effort. Um, Harry Robinson as well, I think he's injured as well. A few other injuries. To an extent, I think we lack a little bit, especially defensive areas. Uh, we lost Gregor Buchanan at Dunfermline last week and we had to bring on Norty Norty in centre-half. Um, but I think the boys who've got starting are good enough to to score goals, cause problems. Obviously, you've got the you've got the low knees in there as well. Do you think they're the ones making the difference so far? So far, Fitzpatrick and Maxwell have been brilliant. Uh, Connor Shields started on fire in the Betfred Cup. It's kind of I don't want to say drifted off too much because he's still been positive. He's just not scored um, in the league. Harry Robinson, another lone yet to see the best of him. He started a couple of games. He's not really shown as much as he, he can from speaking to Motherwell fans and and stuff. Um, I think still Stephen Dolby's got more to more to show as well. There's plenty of options. I think it's just not fully clicked yet. Um, the first half of our growth was was good. Even the air when we lost, you know, we, we were the better team for that whole game. We should have won that game. Um, I think we're just we're not far away. We're not far away. I'm gonna jump in the now. Um, Finn, if I'm not wrong, you have not won a. Well, I'm saying you, Queen of the South, haven't uh, haven't won a championship game in 2020. Do you see a win coming between now and the end of the calendar year? I mean, I've looked at the fixtures. I see you've got matches with like say, Inverness, Hearts, and Dundee still to play. Do you think that a a win is kind of realistic between now and the end of the year, or are you kind of thinking you're about to go a full calendar year without a win? Um, I'm confident. Uh, we've got Alo next up at home. Uh, a record against Alo. I'm always confident against Alo. I feel like this is a team we should be beating if we want to be a championship side. No disrespect to the Wasps. But we've not won in like eight games against them. Uh, but I think they, they've lost, obviously, O'Hara. They lost Ian Flanagan. They've not had a brilliant start to the season. They were all, all right on Friday. Yeah, to them. I, think, I think we'll win that game. Um, and Renes as well, they've... They've lost some key players. We've got them at home like, two weeks after on a Friday night. Isn't easy for Inverness to come down to Dumfries on a Friday night. So that's another game we could win. We're, we're close. We're really close. Um, the air game is one that I look back. We should have won that. And Saturday, we could have won that. Um, but yeah, it has been a long time. We've got a bit of a... We've got a better Fred Cup game against Queen's Park tonight. So hopefully we've got our first one of the season tonight. Um, but you never know. Finn, we've been quite critical of defence so far this season, especially um, against Wraith and Dunfermline last weekend. Do you think there was a bit of an improvement in the back in this one? Yeah, set pieces have been our Achilles heel for two or three seasons now. Um, I think a lot of people almost expected the Dom Thomas and Ewan Murray combination to come off against Queens, and it took one corner to do so. Um, Wraith, we struggled with Manny Duca's physicality, um, but I thought our growth would capitalise on that more. They've got a big team. Um, like Vertan in the middle of the park and Donnelly in their centre halves as well, but we defended really well. Our keeper, Layfield, came in for his first game in about 15 months, done brilliantly in goals. Um, and the set pieces, I noticed a major difference. Obelai, Buchanan looked far more organised at the back, didn't really give them too much of a chance. Um, if we can maintain that going forward, we'll need to maintain it going forward to a successful season. But if we can, then we can push up the table. What, tell, tell us what happened with our bro sequelizer in the second half then. How, how did that come about? We we were kind of napping a little bit at the start of the second half for 10-15 minutes and they had the ball doing the right. It was a nice pass. I can't remember who made the pass. Um, and then Max, James Maxwell tried to get him to block it. 
just missed the ball and Bobby Lynn got down the side of Ayo Balai. He'd done him for pace. And it was a one-on-one with the keeper and he'd done well, Bobby Lynn. Um, we were just caught napping. The first half, we were the better team and we just didn't really wake up until 10 or 30 minutes into the second period, which is frustrating because we had 45 good minutes and had one goal to show for it. Our both by that point, had three good minutes and had one goal to show for it. Yeah, I think yeah. as well, if you think if you listen to Dick Campbell after the match as well, he's he obviously agrees with you that Arbroath had the better of the second half I think, yeah. after the after they got that equaliser. But he's saying that they should have went on and won the match. I think you mentioned Jack Layfield. Mm-hmm. He, Dick Campbell singled him out. He said he made four magnificent saves in the second half. And yeah. uh, Queen's, Queen's keeper didn't have any to make. Yeah. Uh, I also, Dick Campbell said, Alan Johnson said that we had a really major penalty shout in the second half. Um, Stephen Dobie took on a couple of men, was through on goal. If he shot, you'd back him to score. But he went down and the referee ends up booking him for simulation. I don't think the management team was too happy. From my angle, I was quite near it. It looked like a penalty. Um, so there's a shout for that as well. I think that the point would be, why would Stephen Dobie go down if there wasn't contact? Because he's probably going to score. Um, but yeah, Layfield was good. He made, the saves he made, probably bar one from Ricky Little from a corner, um, were all kind of ambitious efforts anyway. From Hilson had a few, weren't really clear-cut chances. Um, but yeah, we didn't test gas enough. We had gotten good positions. We just didn't really... Yeah, we didn't test him. Didn't test him at all, really. Do you think this was our growth kind of back to their test a bit as well? With uh, I think they looked a bit more sturdier with that four-five-one that they're they're used to playing. Yeah, in the second half, um, it was our growth of last season. Uh, just physical, hard to play against. Don't get any time in the ball. A bit like they did against Hearts. Had a good game, good performance. The first half, it was a different team, completely different team for our growth. It was bizarre, not the team we're used to seeing. Um, but yeah, second half, like they're both of old. It was a strange day. There was no wind at all at Gayfield. It was completely quiet. Um, I don't know if that hindered them a little bit. Caught them by surprise. But yeah, the second half, they were as good as they were last season. Cammy, anything else for Finn? Yeah, I do. I do have a one quick thing that I'd like to ask you about. Now, I, I think it might have been the official Queen of the South account that, that called him this. I Gregor Buchanan's pass for the first goal, he was described as yeah, a that prime was me. That was me that tweeted that on the account, yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh, superb. I described him, if you read, 50 minutes before it is a Chavez-esque pass and a different ball. I don't know what happened to him. He made two pinpoint diagonal balls. He got the assist. I don't know what happened. He was, oh, superb. I suppose he needs to be good at one end uh, of the pitch this season. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> Finn, we'll let you get on with the rest of your day. I know you're going to, to Queen of the South against Queen's Park tonight, yeah. so enjoy that match as well. Superb. Cheers. Thanks very much, guys. Cheers, Finn. Cammy, we better get on to talk about the rest of the, the match day then. Um, we had Hearts 2, Inverness 1. Um, the biggest note I've got on this one is uh, obviously no Ginelli or Roberts for Hearts, but that doesn't necessarily mean no width for them, did it? No, it didn't. I mean, they did play kind out wide, but I mean, I think without Ginelli and Roberts, the, there was a real tempo kind of lacking from Hearts' style of play. I mean, we keep going back to it in, I think, every pod, but the, the kind of pace that Hearts played with, with Ginelli and Roberts in the team against Dundee was, was frightening. And, I mean, in the in the following game, they, they didn't really kind of have that. Uh, the following game against Arbro, should I say, they, they really kind of lacked that. Obviously, Roberts uh, was kind of on only for a wee bit and got injured and went off. And, I mean, without either of them in the side, I mean, I felt they really lacked some tempo. And, I mean, I think that kind of goes for for the game as a whole. I don't think Inverness exactly played with much tempo. And 
yeah, it was just a bit of a dull affair, even though maybe a 2-1 scoreline's a bit more exciting than some of the other games, like the just the game we've just spoken about, or the game that will come on to last, the, the goalless draw between Aaron and Dunfermline. I mean, yeah, it was just one of those games where it really wasn't up to much. It just seemed like Hearts were the ones kind of in complete control. Inverness that didn't do anything at all. And I mean, they got their goal right then through Aaron Doran. But other than that, I say, yeah, really kind of boring this one. I thought it could have been a case of Inverness being a bit hard done by by the highlights. Because I think, as you say, watching the highlights, it was all Hearts. But obviously it was Hearts' highlights. Um, but looking at the match stats... Inverness had a, a bit less of the ball than Hearts, but they matched Hearts' shot count and they actually had more shots on target as well. So I guess that does kind of play into our issue of only watching the matches back on, on highlights quite a lot of the time. But yeah, I was wondering whether it could have been a case of that because I think obviously I, looking back at some of the, the people that were at the match, I think Kai Kennedy was a bit more of a thorn in Hearts' side, but I think we only saw that once on the highlights. Um, so yeah, I was just wondering if it was could have been a case of that in this one. Every chance, and something that I don't think uh, Inverness will be happy, obviously, if they were wanting anything focused on, I think it probably would have been all these attacks that you mentioned, but the, there was quite a lot of focus on the defending, which was was quite quite dodgy, to, to put it kind of politely. I mean, I felt, especially at set pieces, they really struggled to clear them, and they could have done better for the first goal. Nobody was near Naismith. And then for the second one that was scored by Liam Boyce, nice wee flick. Nobody really near him either. And it just seemed like they were really slow to everything. Not, not that Inverness has been a fantastic defensive side this season. I, I don't think we've, we've once claimed that or we're really expecting that. But I mean, I think it would be fair to say we were expecting a little bit more from them. I mean, some of the well, the two goals that they did concede certainly could have done better. And as I say, the clearances... A lot of them were really, really easy clearances, yet they, they kind of only put themselves in further danger by only half clearing it or not really clearing it at all and it went up in the air and back to Hearts player. Or, I, it wasn't the most great defensive display from Inverness. No, I think I think it was kind of summed up by the second half. I think Eddie White had came on by that point and, and he lost the ball. I think it was to Wallace Duffy um, or it could have been uh, Brad McKay. And he kind of nicks it back off him and then goes on to hit the bar. And I think that just kind of summed up the play by Inverness and probably why they lost the match, to be honest. Um, the one thing I wanted to touch on, I think a few weeks back, uh, I mentioned on the podcast that I really enjoyed watching Stephen Kingsley play football. I'm going to add Michael Smith to that list now too. I think it's clear that Harsh's fullbacks are the best in the division. I mean, obviously, they they have the, the biggest budget in the division, so technically they should be, but that doesn't always uh, necessarily come out that way, does it? Um, I, I thought... Kingsley's assist for Naismith's, Naismith's goal was, was really good and I think Michael Smith just puts in a, a shift on a weekly basis and he's just a very, very good footballer. You know that way when you kind of look at somebody and you watch their matches, they're just solid, they really put a foot wrong and they just put that shift in every week and I think I'm actually going to say that they wouldn't look out of place in an English championship side as fullbacks. never mind a, a Scottish championship side. I'm just being really impressed with them. And I think the way that Hearts could set up now, um, obviously Roberts is out injured, but I think they should kind of continue in this setup with kind of Naismith being in that false 11 role I'm going to uh, create uh, with Janelli on that other wing when he's back fit. And that really that leaves kind of Kingsley being able to bomb forward like he has been and gives him that bit of extra space that we did see for that opening goal. And he also set up a chance for Liam Boyce in the first half too, which he probably should have scored. 
Do we think then that given Kingsley's quality, I mean, I think he has been one of the kind of standouts in this Hearts team in the first few weeks of the season and perhaps one that not everyone was expecting, obviously, was coming off the back of several years playing in the Championship down south. And I mean, I think it'd be fair to say he's well above the quality of our Championship, even if our Championship is the best league in the world and all that. But <laughs> do you think that Hearts are able to keep a hold of Kingsley? I might be getting a wee bit far ahead of myself, but... Come January, do you think clubs might be sniffing around? Because, I mean, he certainly impressed us. Obviously, that free kick on match day one against Dundee was absolutely superb. And as you say, a, a really good threat from, from kind of out wide with his crosses. And, and, I mean, he's not really put a foot wrong defensively from what I can recall either. No, he hasn't. I, I think clubs would be clubs would be wrong to, to not be looking at him if they're, if they're not. Um, but I, I've already seen Hearts fans and I think there's a few murmurs in the press about them already trying to get him snapped up on a longer contract so I think that'd be a great bit of business if they did do that. Would be absolutely huge piece of business for Hearts and obviously you'd praise Michael Smith and I mean I think if Michael Smith was maybe a few years younger I would have probably definitely 100% agreed with your with your claim that he should be playing in the championship down south I mean I think he's what 32, 33 now so that time's probably passed for him now he's probably not going to going to go down there now but I mean as you say a, a solid 7 or 8 out of 10 every week from him and I mean I think it provides quite a nice balance because he's maybe more of a defensive minded player but he, he can still get himself forward and can play some really good balls there I'm um, just thinking of the assist that he played for Craig Whiten's goal against was it Arbroath yeah. that, that yeah. was a really nice ball and obviously Kingsley's maybe a bit better at getting further forward and the ball's in but I mean, even still, Smith on match day one against Dundee got himself really far forward and got the first goal of the championship season. So well, I think... you look at the... sorry, Cammy, you, you look at Liam Boyce's goal in this one. He actually started it from the right uh, kind of not right back slot, but just into Inverness's half on the right hand side, and he gets into the box. And if Liam Boyce doesn't flick that, and it, it comes like Michael Smith is behind Liam Boyce at the back post, waiting to tap that in. So. He's, he started that move and made the run into the box, and I think that's that's a big threat for Hearts as well. 100%. And I mean, after this result, and I, I now make that seven consecutive wins in all competitions, which means that that's bound to give them huge confidence kind of for the rest of the season and for their upcoming Scottish Cup final. Definitely. Um, one th- final thing for me on this match. Do you think that uh, this was uh, or this season is John Robertson's interview for the Hearts job when Robbie Nielsen gets Hearts promoted and then comes back to the Championship to win it again with another team next season? <laughs> well, I- I'm not too sure. I mean, as we've said, Inverness we haven't started as we expected them to. I wouldn't read too much into it af- after all we're only four weeks into the season. But I mean, I think it's certainly as good a time as ever for Robertson to kind of prove what he's worth. Also, the games against Hearts are are as good as an interview kind of in the flesh, obviously. If he can make his team perform really well, that'll obviously stand him in good stead. And I mean, I think even if uh, Hearts go up, which I mean, I think everyone thinks are almost guaranteed to Robertson, even if he doesn't get to the Hearts uh, job, I mean, I think he certainly deserves a shot in the, in the next league, provided, of course, that Inverness don't somehow make it up via the playoffs. But I think some way down the line, Robertson definitely will be a Hearts manager. Fair play for getting an answer to that. I was just joking, to be honest with you. But, um, but yeah, fair play to you. I, I guess that bit of uh, chat was probably compensating for the lack of chat that we've got about our last match of the weekend. And that is Air United nil, Dunfermline and Athletic nil. And my note on this one is, can we say anything about this match at all? Because it was very, very boring. Yeah, very boring and made even more boring and worse by the fact I paid for it as well. Um, 
I mean, neither side really tested, well, Air never really tested Fawn Williams, we never tested Sinisalo in the Airnet. A really tightly fought match as it always kind of is between the two sides, especially at Somerset. It's never really been a game at Somerset that has seen a lot of goals. Most of the time it is maybe a 1-0 win or a 2-1 win. It's, it's always such a tightly contested match and really scrappy. And I mean, I thought the teams just cancelled each other out for pretty much the entire game. Powers maybe edged it in some in some kind of areas of the game. There, there were some spells, but I mean, I think it would probably be fair to say a draw was a fair result at the end of this one. Um, something that shocked me was the fact that this was actually the only nil-nil across all of the SPFL leagues on Saturday afternoon as well. And I mean, after the excitement I had watching Alou and Dundee score a total of six goals between them on the Friday night, to then see zero goals the following day in the game I watched was was pretty disappointing, but I guess I also used all my goal tokens up uh, at the Rex. I, I guess this one as well just keeps Dunfermline uh, uh, in check with Wraith at the top of the, the top of the table as well. Just just keeping in touch with them so that they don't uh, break away and, and get promoted. Yeah, I mean it's not the the worst result. I mean, uh, most of the time if you're away to air, uh, especially given our kind of record there, I'd have probably taken a draw pre-match. But given the way the game kind of panned out and how boring it was. I, if that's what I was signing up for, I would have said no every single time. But as you say, the draw keeps Pars and Rafe on, uh, on level points. Rafe are currently sitting top, uh, I think, by maybe five or six goals. Um, but both sides, both five clubs, ten points after their first four games. And I mean, I think that's that's two really good starts from both clubs. And another thing that I'm going to look for a positive from the Pars performance was the fact that it was a first league clean sheet for us. Obviously, in the kind of pre-season and Betfred games have been solid defensively. Hasn't quite been like that in the league. Whilst we have been solid, we've not managed to keep the ball out the net. And I think this this was quite good that we did manage to, to keep a clean sheet. Lewis Mayo came in for, I believe, his first start. He was in at right back in place of the injured Dan Comrie. Thought he was absolutely solid. Um, and yeah, it was a kind of just a bog standard average performance kind of across the board from everyone. It, it really wasn't, as you say, much much to shout home about. Air have kind of started the season pretty averagely as well, to be honest. Obviously, four matches played, one win, two draws, one loss, five goals scored, five goals conceded, and five points on the board. So uh, there's uh, where's that improvement going to come from? I mean, I'd like to think that given the options that we've spoken about nearly every podcast, we've seen against Inverness, like the, the threat that Cammy Smith poses and. Bruce Anderson maybe hasn't had the the luck yet. Obviously, he came in after sorry, he came in on loan from Aberdeen. Previously played in the Championship on loan for Dunfermline, and I mean, I think I, I even tipped him to be the top scorer in the league if he stays for the full season. But things just haven't really worked out for him as as we were expecting. But I'd like to think that as the season goes on, things will certainly even themselves out. Obviously, there's teams that are going to start really well and I'd imagine they'll fade and the teams that have maybe not started so well, they'll probably pick up. I mean, I think that's just, that's that just makes sense. And I mean, Luke McEwen was another player who, obviously a pure championship favourite, but really quiet um, in this one on Saturday. And yeah, just got to kind of wait and see what Air do. But I'd like to think that their improvement is going to come from their attack. Definitely. I think that rounds us up for the weekend. Uh, we've got, unfortunately for everybody, uh, we've got two Betfred Cup match days ahead of us, so there won't be a traditional pure championship podcast next week. Uh, I do think Gavin is roping Cammy and I into doing something around the new football manager uh, 2021, 
game uh, where the beta is launching and probably I think it's been teased today, um, which is Tuesday. Uh, so that'll be out probably when this one comes out. Um, so yeah, we might record something around that for, for next week. But um, Cami, yeah, cheers for joining me. And thank you to Finn. See you next time. <laughs>